When I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, my three brothers and I were involved with a tackle football game with some of the neighborhood friends. We were playing in one of the neighbor's backyards, and it was a perfect yard for tackle football. Three sides of the yard were surrounded with these shrubs or bushes, and then the fourth side was the house itself. It was just the right size, boxed in, and we were having a wonderful game. At one point, though, one of the kids on the other team caught the football, and because he was closest to me, I was the one that tackled him. Unfortunately, I ended up tackling him into the shrubs, the bushes, and both of us fell into the bushes and got kind of cut up just a little bit, but he got the worst of it because he was uh, the one that fell first. We were just getting ready to get up when suddenly this guy that I didn't recognize came over to where I was, bent over me, and began to pound my face with his fist. He hit me four or five times. I didn't know what was going on. It was happening so quickly. And then all of a sudden, he stood up and began to walk away. And then he said, this will teach you never again to hit my little brother like that. And suddenly, I knew who he was. What I was to learn a little bit later that day was that this young man, who was maybe 19 or 20 years old, I'm not sure what his exact age was, but I was told that he had just gotten out of prison or jail, and it had been for assault and battery, for the same thing he had done to me. When I got home, you know, I wasn't in in, in bad shape. I think my eyelid was a little bit black and blue. That was probably it, but we did talk about whether or not to report this incident to the police and have him sent back to jail. We didn't again end up doing that. But apparently this young man has what we call anger issues. And I suspect that he was the type of guy that every time he got into a disagreement, he decided to answer the disagreement using his fists. Now all of us get angry at times, every one of us, although I think these days we are in angrier times than I've ever seen in my life, at least the last three or four years. I just see more anger, but sometimes anger is justified, as we're going to see in a minute. Not all anger is wrong. The real issue is what we do with that anger, but there's a lot of it out there. These days, if you look on social media, one of the trends out there is what's called Karen memes. I'm sorry about the fact that my wife happens to be named Karen, and she's not like these. But there are people that are getting out their phones and they are recording incidents of of stereotypical middle-aged suburban women who feel entitled and suddenly get into these arguments or shouting matches or try to get people in trouble. They overreact and these things are being posted online. And just about everybody that watches these agrees that the person is out of control. It's not a good thing that's happening there. And so people are now saying, you know, don't be a Karen. Anger, of course, again, is not necessarily wrong. Uh, Jesus himself got angry. I think it was anger that drove him in the temple. It was zeal, but it was also anger when he turned over the tables of the money changers. On other occasions, we read that he was indignant or angry in his heart. And of course, we know that God gets angry as well. There's a verse that indicates that he experiences wrath every day. There are some things that should make us angry. In fact, sometimes things won't change unless we get angry, but again, the issue is what we do with it. 
Now, when I was growing up, I had the opinion that anger wasn't good, but I've learned since then that sometimes that's what I need to get angry enough for something to change, either in my life or in my circumstances. Dictionary.com defines anger in this way. It's a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence aroused by a wrong. The Cambridge Dictionary defines anger as a strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because of something unfair or unkind that has happened. What I want to note about both of those definitions is that they do acknowledge that something happened that wasn't right, something that was unjust, something that was unkind. It's something that should not have happened and therefore produces within us an anger. But what do we do with that? Now, my takeaway comes almost directly from Ephesians 4.26. It's be angry, but do not sin. It's just a short line that I want us to be thinking about as we move forward, especially in an angry world that we live in today. Be angry, but do not sin. Now, when Paul wrote those words in Ephesians, it, is, it was actually a command. When he said, be angry, that was a command. But then he said, don't sin. The word sin just means to miss the mark. It's a word that has the idea of, of stepping into a place that God would not want you to be, transgressing a line, not doing something in the right way or a loving way or in a way that, that doesn't please God. And we can be angry, but the way we handle it really matters. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks watching, we've been going through a series based on the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings that were put together by Solomon. As a young man, Solomon became the king of Israel. And one evening, he had a dream in which God appeared to him and said to, to Solomon, what would you like for me to give you? Anything you want. I think Solomon could have asked for anything. And Solomon said, I'm a young man, and this is a large kingdom, and I just need wisdom. I just want to govern well. And God was so pleased with the request. God said to Solomon, because you didn't ask for wealth, because you didn't ask for a long life, because you didn't even ask for the lives of your enemies, because you wanted wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you these other things as well. And so Solomon wrote about a lot of different subjects. And one of the subjects that he wrote about is the subject of anger, and he had a lot to say about this subject. Now, again, my takeaway is be angry, but do not sin. The issue is controlling the anger or using it in a productive way so that we are using anger, and anger does not use us. In Proverbs 25, 28, Solomon said, a man who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. A man who does not control his temper, and of course, it could be a woman as well. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Solomon was writing this book, it seems from the perspective of a father to his son, perhaps the son that would reign in his place as king. A man who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. People might think that anger makes you look stronger, but what Solomon was saying, no, it makes you weaker, it makes you vulnerable. Dr. Walvert of Dallas Theological Seminary explains Proverbs 25, 28 this way. Without walls, a city was vulnerable to enemy attacks and an undisciplined person who lacks self-control is also vulnerable to trouble. 
In other words, when we give in to anger, we open ourselves up to a lot of trouble. Things can come in. You think, of course, in, in biblical times how important a wall was around a city and for protection, but if you have most of the wall around the city, but part of it has been broken into, it means the enemy can come in right at that spot. And as I talked about in the last series, Satan wants to use our anger to get in there, to get a place to stand, a place from which he can operate. But people get angry and they get in trouble as a result. This past week, I read a story about a young man who got angry with his girlfriend. He was about 21, 22 years old. In his anger, he went and got a gun. He just wanted to scare her, but he ended up pulling the trigger and she lost her life. And his whole life is ruined in that moment because he was not able to control his anger. Bible scholars Keel and Deitch say about Proverbs 25, 28, a city whose wall is broken down can be plundered and laid waste without trouble. So a man who knows not to hold in check his desires and affections is in constant danger of blindly following the impulse of his unbridled passions. In other words, those passions begin to control him. He ends up doing things motivated out of that anger. There's a better approach. In Proverbs 16 and verse 32, Solomon kind of switches the example a little bit. He says, patience is better than power and controlling one's temper than capturing a city. So this is kind of the other side of the coin. Patience is better than power and controlling one's temper is better than capturing a city. Now, again, in biblical times, for a king or a, a soldier to capture a city was kind of a big deal. It meant you had control of that city. I think what Solomon is saying here is it is better to have self-control than to control a city. It's better to have your own defenses up when it comes to anger, to not give in to it. Controlling your temper, controlling yourself is better than capturing a city. And you say, well, why would that be the case? Well, I think it's because if we can control ourselves, it will impact all kinds of relationships we have in life. It impacts everything. These days, it seems like one of the top qualities that employers are looking for is people who can just play and get along with other people. And so they want someone, of course, that's qualified, but one of the things they're looking for is, is this somebody that will get along with others or is this gonna be someone that's gonna be a troublemaker? And you begin to see that all of our relationships can be impacted. All the things we do in this life are impacted by this lack of self-control. What is a better approach? Proverbs 15, one and two, where Solomon said, a gentle answer turns away anger but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. We might feel angry inside, but how we respond to that is either gonna be putting gas on the fire or putting water on the fire. A gentle answer will turn away wrath, he talks about here. A harsh word, though, stirs up the wrath. A wise person makes knowledge attractive or acceptable. And this is really the better approach. When we're angry about something, to think in terms of what could we do to make this message that I have, this anger that I have acceptable to the other person? How can I help them understand how important this thing is to me? And when we answer in a gentle way, which is hard to do sometimes, 
When I've been in disagreements with someone or I'm angry with someone, I want to get in the last words sometimes. It's hard to just listen and it's hard to answer calmly. But many times this is part of the solution. Thinking about how can I deal with this situation in a way that will win the person over. Customer service representatives these days are taught how to deal with combative callers. They, they use a soft voice. When you call to complain about something, they, they use a soft voice and they've been saying things like, or they'll say things like, I'm really sorry for your loss or I'm sorry for what happened to you or, or whatever it is, something like that. Uh, these days, uh, in fact, they sometimes go overboard. About a week ago, I had a conversation like this and the person kept apologizing. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It was almost too much, but it was much more winsome than fighting back. I got the sense at least they wanted to hear what my complaint was, what the issue was. They were willing to at least consider it. And that was a much better approach because they have learned that when you come back in a combative way, it does not help the situation. In Proverbs 14, 16, and 17, Solomon observed this. A wise man is cautious and turns from evil. But a fool is easily angered and is careless. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. He says two things happen here if we're quick-tempered. One is that we're careless, and second, we're foolish or we enter into sin. When we're quick-tempered, when we can't slow it down. These days, again, I think there's a lot of anger out there, and it causes us to do foolish things, especially if we're easily angered. Those of you that have listened to me over the years know that I've many times told uh, driving stories. And uh, there are stories that might give you the impression that I'm this uh, angry driver, that I'm this uh, person that's guilty of road rage or whatever because there are just so many stories that I've had about this. Uh, that's really not the case with me at all. I do get aggravated. I do get angry sometimes. I was though uh, driving with my daughter several months ago and as we were driving along, we were talking about some of the drivers that, that we experienced as we were driving and I said something about road rage and her response was, Dad, you, you're not, you, you don't do road rage. She said, but I do have some friends that do. She said, well, I'm driving with them, I'm scared to death because they tail people that offend them. They yell at them, they honk their horn, they aggravate people, and I'm afraid it's gonna lead to a fight. Something bad is gonna happen. And that's exactly the issue. Again, sometimes I think we should be bothered by certain things. About a week ago, I was driving some of the back roads of West Virginia, and I was driving on roads where you couldn't pass hardly ever you know, the solid line, and you're just winding around. And I was behind somebody that was going particularly slow. They were driving between five and 15 miles under the speed limit, closer to perhaps five miles under the speed limit. But, but I, was, I was in a hurry, and I was kind of wishing they would get going, and I was getting a little bothered by it. But I knew that coming up soon was a truck lane where there'd be two, two passes, two opportunities, or an opportunity for me to pass this person. And so I was looking forward to that in about five miles. I, I'd be there and suddenly there it was. And so I went into the passing lane and what did the other person do? They sped up. Suddenly they were going 10 miles over the speed limit, which they had never done before. And the, the road that I was on, the passing lane was not long enough for me to get in front of them. So I ended up back behind them again. And then what happened when it became one lane? Well, they started driving five and 10 miles under the speed limit again, and they did that twice to me. 
as I was making this trip. I, I don't know, you know, when something like that happens, I get angry. The issue again is what, what do you do about that? You know, I look at that and say, why would somebody do that? Why is someone so inconsiderate? Why is someone so unloving to do something like that? And yet, I need to keep it in perspective. We're just driving. It is not a big deal. Sure, they may have wronged me, but the answer is not to tail them. The answer is not to get angry with them. It's just not worth it. It's not to escalate the problem. It's to de-escalate it. And so we need to be angry at times, but don't sin. So what are some other approaches we can have to this subject? How can we express anger? Or what do we do in angry situations? Well, there are a number of references, a number of things Solomon says about this. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 18, Solomon wrote, a hot-tempered man stirs up conflict, but a man slow to anger calms strife. Guess we looked at that. Coming in there, looking at the situation to calm it, to be a peacemaker instead. I think this is what Jesus was getting at when it came to our enemies. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. When we're angry with someone, when they're angry with us, a hot-tempered man, it says, stirs up the conflict. A person who's slow to anger, though, can calm it down. And I think we wanna be looking for a solution where we're peacemakers, where we're stepping in there because blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. This is the way God is. God is looking for reconciliation. God is looking for ways to make peace. He's looking for peaceful solutions to the problem. Another reference, Proverbs 17 and verse 14. Solomon said to start a conflict is to release a flood, stop the dispute before it breaks out. This is a great reference. To start a conflict is to release a flood, so stop it before it starts. All of us have been in situations where we were in an angry discussion with someone, maybe an argument with someone, and we saw where it was going. We knew this thing was about to break out, that it wasn't gonna be healthy, that it was not going to be good. What Proverbs is saying here, what Solomon is saying, is slow down with that and, and, and maybe walk away, recognize that this is not gonna turn out well. There are some times in our discussions with other people that the answer is to say, we should not talk about this right now. We can't talk about this in a good way right now. Why don't we walk away from with each other, cool off just a little bit, and then we can talk about this later. Another approach I think we can take is to learn just not to speak, to keep our mouth closed. Now, there's a lot about this in Proverbs, plus other places in the Bible. James spoke about this. He talked about how the tongue is just a small part of the body, and yet it can cause so much harm. It can cause so much devastation. He said, like, the tongue is like a fire, a small fire that sets an entire forest on fire, just a small spark that can start a whole forest on fire. And he was encouraging his readers to watch that mouth because he said the tongue was set on fire by hell itself. It can cause so much trouble. What if we could learn, though, to stop and be careful what we speak? If we could just stop a moment in our anger and not say that thing that we're thinking of saying. In Proverbs 17, 27 and 28, Solomon wrote, the intelligent person restrains his words, and the one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent discerning when he seals his lips. Now, I'm not suggesting here today that we shouldn't speak up sometimes. There are, there are times we need to speak up about things when we are angry, but 
There are other times in which we need to keep quiet, that we shouldn't speak. And one of the reasons that's the case is that anger is just so contagious. Solomon talked about that in Proverbs chapter 22, 24, and 25. He wrote, don't make friends with an angry man and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Don't make friends with an angry man. Don't be a companion of a hot-tempered person. Why? Because you'll, you'll, you'll catch it. The anger catches more easily than COVID-19. Something that spreads so easily. There have been times before where I was in such a good mood and then I found myself in a situation in, in which somebody was angry and suddenly it, it rubbed off on me. They began complaining about something. They got angry about something. The next thing I knew, everybody was kind of angry. That's how it many times works. And, and we shouldn't expose ourselves to that if we can help it. One thing I've started to do a little bit differently in my life is I'm limiting my Facebook what I'm watching on Facebook because I have learned that I'm watching certain things and they're just making me mad. They're just aggravating me. Even if the person is telling the truth, it's rubbing off. I don't want to be angry all the time. And yet we have a world now that's watching online for some of these things and getting all stirred up, which is part of the problem with anger. It stirs others up. Solomon talked about this in Proverbs 29, 22. He said, an angry man stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered man increases rebellion. Isn't that the world we live in right now? An angry man, an angry woman stirs up trouble or conflict. A hot-tempered person increases rebellion. We have a, a world right now where there are a lot of what the Bible calls troublemakers, people that stir up trouble in their anger and they stir other people up as well to do things that are not good. Sure, be angry, but do not sin. Now, what should we do that would help us a little bit? Well, I mentioned earlier this idea of starting to listen more. James talked about this, and although James, obviously the verses that I'm going to read here are not from the book of Proverbs, they sure would fit. In James 1, 19 and 20, listen to what James said. He said, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. This would be a tremendous verse to be branded on our collective consciousness as a society. My dear brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger because our anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. Most of the time, we cannot do anger right. God can because he's God. Jesus did because he was God. But we have more trouble doing that. What further step could we take though? What else could we do? And by the way, all these are hard. When I get to the end here in just a moment, I wanna give you how to do it in a couple verses. But what would be a step even further that we could take? Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In other words, overcome evil with good. I think this is really the best approach. Jesus talked about this, of course. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who mistreat you. Because this is the way our heavenly father is. He does good both to the righteous and the unrighteous. 
He, he allows the rain to fall on both of them. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't address issues that need to be addressed. There are things, again, that should make us angry, and many times those things need to be addressed. But our heart toward those, even that our, we regard as our enemy, is to feed those. It says, give food to that person. If they're thirsty, give that person water to, to eat. The bottom line is, I think we need to learn to love better. In Proverbs 10, 12, Solomon wrote, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. So how do we apply this today? Well, I wanna leave you with a story and a few verses that I think could help. The story is by a Presbyterian minister by the name of C.E. McCartney. He writes, anger weakens a man, it puts him at a disadvantage in every undertaking in life. When Sinbad and his sailors landed on one of their tropical islands, they saw high up in the trees coconuts which could quench their thirst and satisfy their hunger. The coconuts were far above the reach of Sinbad and the sailors, but in the branches of the trees were chattering apes. Sinbad and his men began to throw stones and sticks up at the apes. This enraged the monkeys and they began to seize the coconuts and hurl them down at the men on the ground. That was just what Sinbad and his men wanted. They got the apes so angry so that the apes would gather their food for them. That is a good illustration of how our indulgence in anger plays into the hands of our foes. I think anger can serve us. It can also serve to destroy us. The issue is to have self-control in this area. But the answer isn't to say, well, just stop being angry. No, I think this is an area in our lives in which we need the help of the Holy Spirit. This is something where God wants to change about us. In our sinful fleshly nature, anger just comes so easily. But with the help of God's Spirit, we can live different lives. And so I wanna read what Paul had to say about this in Galatians 5, 19 to 25. I want you to notice the different words that Paul uses when describing our sinful nature that relate to anger. And then I want you to look at the words related to the Holy Spirit that talk about how we could get along. Paul wrote, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, and then, this is the list, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit instills new life into you and he comes to live inside of you. Paul is saying now those things that were part of our old way of life, the sinful things of our life, are the things we need to start putting to death. And we need to start listening to the Spirit and then relying on the power of the Spirit to help us change. And I think that's the thing that could make the difference. The Holy Spirit living inside of a believer can help us to respond differently, to be angry 
but not to sin. Let's pray. Father, we all acknowledge that we need help in this area. All of us get angry in inappropriate ways at times. And we recognize we need you and we need discernment many times to even know how to respond. We recognize that many times our response is not the right response and it doesn't lead to peace, it leads to more anger. It's like putting gas on the fire. But Lord, we wanna be ones who really represent this this spirit-filled life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control as we are out in this world that doesn't know you, that we might be a light as we live out those qualities through the power of your spirit who lives in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.